Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business in Dava podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Ladies and gentlemen, good, good afternoon, depending on where you're at. I'm excited about session two. We have Dr. Eleanor Konje talking about family firms and gender. Um, Dr. Eleanor is a feminist scholar and researcher. She's a motivational and keynote speaker. She's a leadership trainer and coach. She's a communication strategist, entrepreneur and women's rights activist. So you're welcome this morning, Dr. Eleanor. I'll hand over to you. Oh my God, already. Hi ladies, good morning. I love y'all, I love these spaces so much because I think women's spaces are so safe and it's always my intentionality every time that I speak, whether I'm speaking from an academic perspective or I'm just having a conversations with my sisters and friends. It's always good for me to know that we have a safe space with each other. So first, I want to go ahead and say thank you so much, Shinike and Titi, for this amazing opportunity and for this conference and for this conversation that you guys are pioneering. I think it's a critical conversation. I think it's a conversation that we should have more of. I think the conversation about family firms and the element of family in our pursuit of entrepreneurship is especially important. And what our role as women is supposed to be. Do we take more of a gendered role, meaning do we conform to the the stereotypes of what it means to be a woman when we are in these positions, when are running our businesses or do we actually listen to ourselves and we walk in the fullness of who we are as women and we're intentional about living authentically as people so i talk very fast so i'm gonna you know intend to really really slow down i would ask nikki or city that if there's any question at any point especially as i'm explaining a little bit more of the the beginning part please go ahead and just chat it up so i know Um, To clarify certain points, I'm going to try not to be too academic and not to be too theoretical, but I really want us to be able to bring some of these conversations that we've been having over the last three days together. Like I said, it's been a phenomenal conference and there's really not a lot. that I have to say that you ladies have not heard before, but I think since we're looking to the future in day three, my role is to really bring together some of the conversations that we've been having around the topic of gendered business and the future of women. And then also talk about what roles we can take as women, especially as we look to the future of business, as we look to the future of entrepreneurship. Now, the reason what I really, I really want to talk about gendered business because I think it's important for us to understand that um, when we're pursuing businesses as women, when we're working as entrepreneurs, whether we're working individually or working in a family firm, there are gendered elements. And what do I mean by gendered? Something that is gendered is when it is actively engaged in social processes that produce and reproduce distinctions in gender identities. I'm gonna go ahead and repeat that. Something is gendered 
when it is actively engaged in social processes that produce and reproduce distinctions in gender identities. Basically, when I talk about business as being gendered, entrepreneurship as being gendered, what I'm saying is that there experiences of men and women are different in those elements because of how business has been engineered, because of how entrepreneurship, who was, who are the founders of this word of entrepreneurship? Who are these men who are at the heart of, of this idea of what it means to be an entrepreneur? Because there are men who are the ones who are at the foundation of it, the experiences as women got more and more engaged have been gendered. It wasn't an equal playing field. It wasn't a world that was supposed to include women as well. It was a world simply created for men. Therefore, because it was a world simply created for men, when women started getting more and more engaged in businesses and entrepreneurship, those were when the, those tenets, the differentiation happened. The reason why it's always important for me to talk about history and to situate the conversations that we talk about in this history of when did women get involved in this area? When did women get involved in politics? When did women get involved in entrepreneurship? Is because it enables us to, to fully understand what challenges we're having and why we're having those challenges. And this challenge is really just coming from our inability to be, to be engaged, to do well in business. Or this challenge is happening because we're actually engaged in a structural system that is gendered itself. So when we understand the basis, when we understand the foundation of, of the systems in which we are engaged, in which we work as people, it makes it so much easier for us to understand how to penetrate them, how to change them, how to systematically, yeah, how to systematically transform them. That's the word that I'm looking for. So it's important for us to kind of talk about the gendered aspect of business, understanding how entrepreneurship was founded, who it was founded for, and why it was founded. Now, it's important for us to understand, especially I'm going to be talking to my African sisters and my African women, right? Absolutely. Right now, we're in an age and a time that's, that's having this conversation that it's important for women to be engaged in entrepreneurship in political systems, because when a woman is empowered, then the family is empowered, the girl child is empowered, everybody is empowered. But one of the things that I also want to understand, for, I want us to understand and be on the same page on is, as African women, we've always been empowered. We've always been empowered. As African women, we've always we've always been engaged. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's look about. about let's look at it from an agricultural perspective, as an example. A lot of the conversations today around agriculture and getting women more involved in heavy machinery systems is about bringing women to the board to understand how agriculture works. But when you look at it historically. When you look at pre-colonial history, when you look at the 1950s and the 1960s when development started, when development started rising, African women were always involved in agriculture. African women were going to the farms. They were providing for themselves. Therefore, the question that we have to ask now is, why is it that the narrative of our experiences has been one of disempowerment? And how come the notion of patriarchy that we've been talking about over the last couple of days is one that is so evident and one that is so tangible within the African context? Is it that our systems have always been patriarchal? Is it that women have always been excluded from the table? Is it that this is just how we are? And as a result, this is just what we have to deal with and this is what we have to have to transform.
form. And my argument is no, yes, absolutely. Patriarchal tenets have been there, especially with the introduction of colonialism. But when you look at the engagement of women on, in entrepreneurship, in starting small businesses, in being agriculturalists, women have always been at the center of the conversation. So if you read about gender and development, especially when women were, were, were being, when being engaged in development, when the you know, United Nations and international organizations started working on the African continent, you will see that women were already in the farms. Women were already working. Women were already entrepreneurial. Now, as one of the speakers talked about yesterday, there has been, in, in this recent rise of entrepreneurship, the reason why women have been Wanting to do business is not necessarily because, you know, they, they woke up one day and they said, you know what, I want to do business. I just want to run an empire. A lot of the businesses, again, going back to this conversation that we're having about gendered business, the reason why women engage in business is often very different from the reason why men engage in business, and especially on the African continent. And you will see that the reason why women mostly in the past have engaged in business is as a means of survival. Is this a means of making ends meet? Is this a means of having a little bit of extra income so that they are able to have an economic voice within their family? It was never really about what we understand as a growth-oriented business engagement. Meaning when you're starting, I mean, for all of you as entrepreneurs, you understand what growth-oriented businesses are, which are very different from survival Entre, you know, entrepreneurship ventures. And that is where I really want us to begin this conversation about the gendered business, the gendered business. One, women and men engage in business mostly for different reasons. And especially when we talk about it from the middle class or lower class perspective, a lot of women begin to do business precisely as a means of making and making their ends meet. But when entrepreneurship itself started, men engaged in businesses as innovators as creators. Therefore, the question that we have to ask ourselves as, as women who are working on our own, in our own firms, who are working in family firms is because of this gendered aspect that differentiates a growth-oriented woman entrepreneur from a survival woman who's doing a business, what is the approach that we want to have? Are we doing business precisely because we want to survive and kind of fitting into the mode of this gendered business? Or are we doing business because we want to build empires for ourselves? Because we're more than capable of doing the work that any man is capable of doing. Not because we're women, but because we're people who are as talented and who are as enabled and who are as, as empowered as everybody else. So these gendered aspects are very critical because again, they enable us to understand why we face the challenges that we do. Another aspect of this gendered aspect of business is access to resources, access to resources. Some of the things that I confronted in my own research, working with women entrepreneurs, especially within the Nigerian context and West Africa more, more generally, is the challenge that women have to access of resources. Again, a very gendered aspect. When a man and a woman are running exactly the same kind of business, they have the same kind of net um, net income coming in, you will see that a man will have, a, especially in this patriarchal context, you see that a man has more access to resources than a woman has. You will see that banks are more cautious when a woman comes to the bank to ask for a loan. Again, you have to understand what is the reason. These things are not just happening because 
they think as women were inferior. These things are happening because they're embedded in a system that, is, that carries certain ideas about who is capable of running a business and who's not capable of running a business. Again, this is gendered business, gendered entrepreneurship. The differential treatment of women and men precisely based on their gender. We know these things are not true, but because of, this, of the challenges that we continuously confront as we go out to run our businesses, we can't ignore that those challenges are necessarily are, are not associated with our gender. Now, I want to piggyback off on something that Miss um, Nancy talked about yesterday, which is that we shouldn't get stuck in this mentality of, well, because I'm a woman, I'm not going to have access to resources. Because I'm a woman, there's a glass ceiling. Because I'm a woman, I'm always going to be questioned as a result of my gender. And I absolutely agree with her. In our everyday experiences, we can't be so aware about our gender that our gender stops us from being able to do what we're supposed to do. But at the same time, we have to be conscious that certain challenges are going to come up precisely because of the bodies that we carry, because of the roles that society has told us that we're supposed to play as women. So it's not about us living in the limitation of our gender, but understanding that there are certain systematic challenges that we're gonna be confronted with that are reflective of the challenges in the system as a whole. That helps free us as women because it helps us understand that the problem is not with myself. Absolutely, I should empower myself. Absolutely, I should make sure that I have the right education, that, I'm, that I have the right networks, that I'm counting on my sisters. This is a conversation that we're going to have in the second half of, of this presentation. But at the same time, we also have to understand that we're engaged in political and economic and social systems that are gendered at the core. And in being gendered at the core, they, they, relegate, they relegate us as women to the margins. They carry certain assumptions about our capacities and capabilities as women that are actually limited because, because we know who we are, because we know who we carry. So I wanted to use that access of resources as, an ex and as, as another example to highlight what I mean by these gendered elements of what it means to do business. Another example is the ways in which as women we're taught, as women entrepreneurs, as business owners, as women engaged in a family business, the ways that we're taught to navigate patriarchy. We've been talking a lot about familiar relations, relations with our husbands, our, our partners, and the kinds of sacrifices sometimes women have to make when they are working in business, which men don't have to make. Something that often came up in my conversations with women entrepreneurs when I, when I do my research is this aspect of women feeling like if they don't bring their husbands on a, a, a board, a board of advisors or a board of directors, then in so many ways, their husbands feel as if they're doing something wrong. They're doing something outside of the scope of the family. But wait a minute, when your husband is running a business, is there a conversation that you guys have where he wants you to be on the advisory board? Again, this is very gendered. And it's very gendered because Again, there's a differentiation. You're, you're both in a familiar context. You're both in the same marriage. But why is it that as women, we're the ones required to navigate those dynamics? We're the ones required to make those certain types of sacrifices. I agree that sometimes those sacrifices have to ma be made in order for women to be able to survive. It's a matter of survival. 
It's a matter of, if I don't do this, I remember talking to a woman entrepreneur and one of the things that she was very clear about telling me is like, listen, if I don't bring my husband on this board, there's no way I'm gonna be running this business anymore. Because you have to understand that I'm, I'm working and operating in a context where if I have to choose between my marriage and my family, between my marriage, excuse me, and my business, they're gonna make me choose my marriage over my business. I really applaud, there was a lady yesterday who was speaking. She, you know, when she was facing challenges with her husband, she was very clear that she chose her business over her, her husband. I mean, I really applaud that because I know coming from context that highlight the necessity of community and of family, it's extremely difficult to have to make that decision. And you shouldn't have to make that decision because as a business owner and as, as an entrepreneur, you should have the same access and should be able to navigate your, your, your business life in such a way that it does not impact or affect your family. But again, because of gendered entrepreneurship, gendered business, this is the reason why women have to navigate patriarchy. Women have to make certain types of concessions. It's the reason why a woman will go to the bank and ask for a loan and they'll ask her for collateral, not from herself, from her husband. Why? Because as far as they're concerned in that patriarchal system in which they operate, a woman by herself can't really have enough wealth to be able to carry a loan by herself. It's her husband who must be able to back it up. So again, all these facets are extremely important for us to talk about because they do impact how we do business and our consciousness and awareness of them and where they're coming from is precisely what's going to help us navigate them, transform them, and eventually free ourselves from them. Another example I wanted to highlight for also is, is the element of work-life balance. As women, I mean, it's, it's incredible because again, going back to some of this, you know, this research that I do, there was another woman who in particular told me, I was having a conversation with her precisely about family again and her kids. And she told me, she was like, there's no way that as a woman, I can't, I should be able to take care of my family and I should be able to run my business. If my business in any way is impacting my ability to take care of my family, then people around me are going to raise questions about my capabilities as a woman and as a wife and as a mother. Therefore, even if your business is flourishing, it doesn't really say anything about you. Who cares? Who cares that your business is flourishing as long as your family and your kids are not flourishing as well? So this burden that women have to carry, this responsabilization of family that women have so that not only are we engaged in the economic system, because that's what we want to do. We want to be engaged. We want to be partners. We want to bring value into our families. But in bringing families into our value into our families and bringing economics into our families, there's also a requirement that we still have to work 100% and make sure that we're taking care of our families and take care of our kids at 100% as well. And when I talk about family, it's just not your husband and your kids, but you're also talking about your in-laws. You're also talking about your extended family. So the question that I always have, especially when I think about this critically and from a sociological perspective is how much can we really continue to carry? I agree with the previous speaker that the future is female. But in the future being female, what are the things that we need to free ourselves of? What are the things that we have to understand? This is a lot for one person to do. And what are the challenges and what are the, and what are the fights 
that we can actually take on to be able to transform the systems, but beyond transforming the systems to also be able to transform ourselves and to transform our minds, like the other speaker was saying, because our minds remain critical aspects of the work that we carry forward. I'm not sure if I've been, I've been clear, I'm a little bit, you know, kind of in my own little theoretical world, but I really hope that introduction in terms of why it matters for us to really situate this conversation in this gendered aspects and understanding that it's, it goes beyond the self, but it actually it touches on the systems in which we're engaged in, <coughs> excuse me, why that conversation is especially important. Another element that I want us to really talk about again, where women coming from different, you know, different places on the African continent. And as such, the way that we experience these elements that I've just talked about here, the way that we experience patriarchy, the way that we negotiate with patriarchy, the way that patriarchy itself manifests in our lives and manifests in, in the social context in which we are engaged is gonna be very different. Therefore, we have to understand the context in which we're engaged in. And as long as we're going to survive, as long as we're going to, excuse me, as long as we're going to go beyond survival, and actually thrive in our roles as people, we have to understand the context in which we're embedded in and arm ourselves with the tools, arm ourselves with the resources that are required for us to do the work for ourselves. So first of all, we arm ourselves with this consciousness, right? This is what I've been talking about. We arm ourselves with this consciousness of, you know, of the systems in which we are involved in. We arm ourselves with the understanding that patriarchy is nuanced and that it manifests in different ways on the African continent. And the funny thing is that some of us do enjoy tenets of patriarchy and understanding that contradiction in yourself. Not necessarily understanding it so you can rid of it per se, maybe you wanna get rid of it, maybe you wanna keep it, but understanding that aspect of, okay, fine, patriarchy does stop me from fully flourishing and thriving in my role as an entrepreneur, as a woman entrepreneur. But at the same time, there's certain elements of patriarchy that I enjoy. I enjoy my husband being the breadwinner, even though I have my own business. I enjoy him taking care of all the economic responsibilities in the family, even though I have my own business. Having that conversation with yourself, whereby patriarchy doesn't look like something that we don't exercise as women or that we don't encourage as women, but understanding it as something that we are also embedded in, as something that is very nuanced and that manifests itself differentially de depending on context, and understanding it as something that we also encourage by negotiating with it, by finding our own ways to survive it and kind of maneuver through it. And also we encourage it in conversations that we have with our friends and our daughters. So understanding that and critically questioning it so that you know when you're making decisions, you know this decision is a little bit patriarchal. It's, it's founded in gendered norms and in norms that you know I have to perform as a woman, but I'm okay with it because of X, Y, and Z. Or I'm not okay with it because it's a, it's a limitation to the work that I'm trying to do as an entrepreneur. I hope that's that that kind of nuance and, and, and complexity that I'm trying to highlight there is very clear for you guys. But I think it's really important for us to really understand as women how we play along in these patriarchal systems, how we encourage them. In, in that way, if we choose to dismantle them, how we can begin to dismantle them, not only within ourselves, and, and in, but also in the larger societal context in which we're engaged. Now, 
having 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 have having had this consciousness you know and having had this moment where you understand that it's it's the system that you're engaged in it's it's the um, the ideologies and the notions that you're dealing with are not things that are necessarily embedded just within yourself as a person the second part of this conversation that I want I want to have is then what do you do how do you move forward right this is about the future so, okay, Dr. Ellie, you've talked about all this stuff. Like now I get it. I get the history. I get, you know, why things are the way that they are. I understand it's embedded in history, pre-colonial, post-colonial, and even right now. But now what do I do about it? How do I move forward? How can I take ownership of transforming the system? But first, how do I begin to also really transform myself? So the work that I do as, as a leadership trainer and as a coach is really on helping women understand that it is possible for us to walk in the totality of who we are as people. And in walking in the totality of who we are as people, not only do we do this conscious raising work, but we also begin to empower ourselves. We begin to make sure that the leadership that we carry as women is not only leadership that's coming from the outside, or it's a leadership that's only um, manifested on the outside, but it's a leadership that has to first and foremost carry within ourselves. It's a self-leadership that we have to have within ourselves. So you have the work that has to be done in transforming the system, in understanding that there is a social system, there's a political system, there's an economic system that has to be transformed, and I'm going to do that work. But then there's also me as a person that has to be transformed, that has to be changed, that has to be empowered, that has to be liberated, that has to be freed. Therefore, I need to be able to approach and have the tools to be able to, to do both. S transform the system, but at the same time also work in myself so that as I'm engaged in this system, I show up every single day as the best of who I am. That's the conversation that I wanna have with us. And this conversation really starts fundamentally on intentionality. The intentionality for you as a woman to lead yourself. Leading yourself by having the intellectual tools that you need by understanding the system that you're engaged in, by becoming responsible for your own life and for your own journey. And like the speaker said yesterday, not seeing yourself always in reflection of your family, but seeing yourself in your capacity, in your potential as a woman to independently do great things. One of my favorite affirmations that I speak, I try to speak on a daily basis, or at least I try to speak, you know, maybe once a week or so, says, um, I am responsible for my own dreams and for manifesting the woman that I want to be. The responsibility to carry my dreams and to make them manifest is mine. And by making that affirmation, I'm speaking, it's not anybody else's responsibility to make my dreams come true. It is not my husband's responsibility to make my dreams come true. It's not my children's responsibility to make my dreams come true. It is my responsibility to make sure that I make my dreams come true by first leading myself, before I can even begin to lead other people, by first leading myself, by first showing up in the fullness of who I am as a woman, by understanding that the breath of my dreams and what I can make of them is up to me and that I have the capacity, I have the capability, I have the skills, and I'll make sure to get the resources to make that a reality for myself. So there's a level of intentionality that we have to have 
in that self-leadership as, as women in order for us to truly be engaged in the transformation of the, of the political and economic systems and this gendered business systems that we're engaged in and so that we can truly and fully empower ourselves. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and move ahead from there. The other aspect is, again, in this self-leadership, arming yourself with the resources necessary, right? Making sure that you have, if education is what you require, ladies, getting all the education that you need, making sure that you put yourself front and center to get all the resources that you need as a person and to run with those resources. If the resource that you need is skills development, making sure that you're intentional about developing your skills, about going for a leadership course, about traveling and, and going to, I don't know, Harvard Business Schools, the Goldman Sachs Entrepreneurship Program, whatever resource you know you need, making sure that you actually arm yourself with those resources. A resource can look like a therapist. Maybe there's things that you are, are happening in your family, in, 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 in running a, a family firm. Maybe there are things that are happening there and you just need, you need outside resources. You need a therapist to walk with you in those challenges to help you navigate and understand your voice, to help you come to your truth. Maybe that's a resource that you need. Maybe a coach is a resource that you need. Maybe you're you are wanting to really, you know, amp up your business, go take your business to the next level. But every time you try to do the work by yourself, you're hitting a roadblock. Maybe a coach is somebody you need to walk with so that they can help you get to that next level. Don't limit yourself to only access yourself as a resource. Make sure that you're actually arming yourself with other resources. Maybe you just need your friend to help look over that business plan to help look over that idea that you have to, to expand your business, to make more revenue. Whatever it is, make sure that you're getting the resources necessary for yourself so that you are coming up and you're showing up as the best of who you are. Because when you show up as the best of who you are for yourself first, you're sure going to show up as the best of who you are in this world of business and entrepreneurship that we're engaged in. That's extremely important. And again, like the conversation has, like this conversation we'll be having, going beyond your limitations as a woman, understanding what your limitations are and having very honest conversations with yourself that say, you know what, these are the limitations that I have in this particular um, season of my life. What are the ideas to go beyond these limitations? What do I need to do as a person to go beyond these limitations? Again, what resources do I need to be able to go beyond these limitations as a person. I was teaching um, a leadership uh, course. I've been teaching a leadership course since the month of December. And the conversations that we've been, the conversation we've been having in there is, you know, in, in a space of uncertainty, in a space of crisis, like this global pandemic that we've been in, how do you go beyond just survival as a woman to actually find yourself in a space where you're thriving? Because in so many ways, there are limitations. We have so many limitations around us. But how do we go up beyond these limitations that we can both control and that we cannot control? And one of the things that I've been sharing with them, which also I want to highlight in this as part of the second aspect of this conversation, is the self-practices that we carry. What are the self-practices, the things that we do on a daily basis, the habits that we have as people that will actually enable us to be able to move beyond survival to actually thriving as individuals? What are we doing in our self-leadership like I've been talking about? What are we doing in our self-care? 
in our self-care, in understanding that sometimes we need people around us to carry us, therapists, coaches, I've just, as I've just described. What are we doing about our mindset? What kind of minds do we have? Are we positive? Are we negative? Are we optimistic and looking to a hopeful future in 2021? Gratitude as a self-practice, optimism as a self-practice, being grateful for opportunities, for moments like this, where as women we can sit in a safe space and where we can engage. These aspects are important in our leadership, but also in the future in business that we want to carry. I believe so much that when we are empowered truly as individuals, when we're conscious politically and socially and economically, and we are empowered as women, there's nothing and no one that can stop us because we show up every day as the best of who we are. We show up with the intellectual prowess and we show up with the personal self-awareness that we need. When those two things are combined, there's nothing and no one that can stop us. But the question is, are we doing what's necessary to fully show up as that on a daily basis, to find ourselves in moments where we're not just surviving, but actually pushing ourselves to thrive. The other element that I wanna highlight in this aspect of the future, as we've been talking about here, sisterhood. Sisterhood, leaning on your networks, understanding that as, as sisters, we're there for each other. We're there for each other to speak at each other's conferences. We're there for each other to hold each other up, to look through each other's plans, to hold each other accountable, to open doors for one another. We can't do it for, by ourselves. All this work that I've been talking about here, this consciousness raising and transformational work that we wanna make sure that we're doing, it's not work that we can do by ourselves. It's work that requires each and every single one of us, first and foremost, to do the work within ourselves. And then for us to come together, to rally together with our minds empowered, with our hearts and souls and spirits empowered to actually do the transformational work that we wanna do in the, word, in the world. Therefore, I always emphasize this element of sisterhood because it's important not only in your self-growth, to make sure that you're surrounded by people who are holding you accountable, who are encouraging you, who are empowering you, who are pouring into you as a person. But to also understand that the collectivity, it's a collective consciousness that comes when women are fully self-empowered that's really going to transform this gendered aspects of business and entrepreneurship that we're talking about here, that are really going to create spaces where women can walk in, where women can thrive. And not only women who are like us and who look like us, but women who are coming after us, women who are next to us, women, the generation of women who are coming behind us. In order for them to walk in a different world, it's gonna require that there is both this approach of, of the social systems, but also this approach of, I'm going to empower myself so that when I'm celebrating my sister, I'm always celebrating her fully and I'm not celebrating her in reflection of what's going on in my life. I'm not looking at my life first before I celebrate my sisters. I'm celebrating my sisters for everything beautiful that God is doing in their lives because it's important in our collective efforts to celebrate one another. 
All right, now I just wanna go ahead and summarize this conversation. I see that we've had some questions. I'm sure other questions are gonna be coming in, but I really just wanna, cause I know I've talked about a lot. I've, I've kind of looked to bridge two different worlds. I've brought in the intellectual with the, the inspirational and the leadership. And I wanna kind of bring this, this, I've brought these words together. And I wanna kind of summarize again, why that really is important. So the first thing I talked about is understanding this gendered aspect of business and entrepreneurship and why it's important for us to, to really recognize these aspects and and why they limit us in our in our approaches and in our our work as entrepreneurs and understanding in such a way that they actually enable us not to blame ourselves for some of the challenges that we're having or not to limit ourselves, not to become so conscious of them that we're limited and we're so conscious about our gender that when we walk into boardrooms, you're like, I'm the only woman, I'm the only black person. That's not the point, but to become conscious them so that we can transform them and so that we can free ourselves of them, to understand the, the, the critical elements of patriarchy and how it's nuanced and how we as people are also actors in advancing this patriarchal system. And in having those conversations with ourselves, knowing how we can free ourselves of mentality or at least how we are contributing to the advancement of patriarchy. Then in the second part of the conversation, I've really talked about this necessity for us to really also fundamentally show up fully as who we are, to show up as our own son, as a woman, like somebody said yesterday, understanding that you are the son by yourself. You don't need anybody else's validation for you to fully go after your dreams, for, for you to fully live and own who you are as a person. And in that conversation, I talked about the necessity for us to lead ourselves. I talked about the necessity for for us to be intentional in accessing resources and asking for help in, in getting resources, coaches, therapists, friends, family to really help us in our journeys. And I also talked about the necessity for us, for us to arm ourselves with the skills and the abilities and the education that we need to move beyond the stages that we find ourselves. I talked about the necessity for us to go beyond our limitations, for self-practices, incorporate self-practices like, like gratitude, like self-care, like optimism um, as a means of us going beyond just merely surviving, but actually find ourselves in spaces where we're thriving. And finally, I talked about the necessity of sisterhood and how sisterhood is not only something that we have to cultivate in ourselves, but we have to understand that the sisterhood brings together this collective effort of transformation that's necessary in the social and political systems that we're engaged in, but also helps us and enables us and reminds us to pour into ourselves. Because when we pour into our ourselves and our cups are full and overflowing, we can then more effectively pour into other people and especially more effectively run stronger and better businesses and especially transform the systems that we're talking about here so that they create a lot more access for us as women. Thank you so much. We can now jump on the questions. I'll leave the conversation to Tsitsi and Nikkei. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Eleanor. That was such an impressive and powerful presentation. I really appreciate you. Um, and while we are on that, we're just going to jump into the questions in the inbox, in the chat box. The first question is, what practical steps can we ladies take to empower ourselves and each other? Okay. 
Um, that's such an amazing question. That's such an amazing question. And that's what part of the second part of my presentation was all about. And what we can really do, like I said, first and foremost, it really begins with empowering yourself before you can empower anybody else. I believe so much that you can't do the work for other people if you're not doing the same work for yourself. Therefore, in, in empowering yourself first, what are the practical steps that you actually need to take? Fundamentally, you have to arm yourself with the tools necessary for you to improve your life, right? Whatever tools those are. If that means you need to take more classes on self-confidence or read books about self-confidence, or you need to work with a therapist, or you need to work with a coach, fundamentally, it's about you first understanding what you need to do for yourself. If there's a healing that needs to happen, if there's a freeing of spirit that needs to happen, you fundamentally first begin to do that work in yourself as a person. I always tell people, spaces like this are great platforms to begin to do work for yourself as a person, attending conferences. And there's so many conferences going on right now that are free online that you can attend to begin to do that empowerment work within yourself as a, as, as a woman. Knowledge is everything. Therefore, however it is that you can access knowledge, that's how you first and fundamentally begin to do the work, right? Knowledge in school, knowledge in, in, in leadership training classes, knowledge in conferences, whatever. Then how do you begin to empower other women around you? When you become so aware about, about who you are and you become aware about your strengths, you'll see that it'll become almost organic for you to begin to pour that energy out to other people. You want to see other women around you be just as empowered as you are. So you begin to recognize the strengths in other people. You begin to point out those strengths and capacities in other people. That's how we really begin to change the world. It's by first doing this work within ourselves. And then when we recognize how to do it within ourselves, we then begin to do that work with and for other people. Incredible. Um, we have a question from Joyce. In critiquing the current social trends and in looking at the future, I foresee that the future is not women, but inclusivity. I believe patriarchy is one of the many barriers women need to surmount. For instance, women are more comfortable with or employing more women in their organizations. I foresee a future where deliberately employing one gender over another will be legislated. What is your perspective about women urgently needing to grow their inclusivity skill sets? Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. I, I agree and I disagree at the same time. And I'm going to nuance my response in this capacity. The reason why we're emphasizing that the future is female is because if you look at what's been happening since the 1990s, I want to say especially since the 1994 Beijing um, uh, conference and treaty, you will see that there's a lot more emphasis in women's empowerment workshops and women's leadership workshops. Like we're doing a lot of work on women, that women are rising up so strong. Then I also agree with you that the future should be more inclusive of men and women at the table, precisely because, we're, I mean, I always share this as one of my concerns. We've done so much work on women and the women that I work with y'all, like they're like women on this platform, empowered, ready to change the world, doers. But the issue is that these women are confronted with partners, husbands, fathers, brothers, who no one is doing any empowerment work on, who no one is raising their consciousness on about the gendered aspects of what it means to be a man, who no one is problematizing masculinity and these toxic forms of masculinity. Therefore, as we're doing this empowering work in women and making sure that women are the future, 
there's a necessity to do a deconstructive masculine work on our men. Because that's when this inclusivity you're talking about here is actually going to look very beautiful. When women are empowered and they're ready to work and they're ready to move forward, but then also men understand that they don't have to abide to this very toxic notions of what it means to be a man. That they can actually create spaces where women can be involved, where they don't have to always be the breadwinner if they don't feel like being the breadwinner, where conversations between two partners can happen equally. So to keep it very short, to keep my answer very short, again, like I said, it's an agreeing and disagreeing, but in a very nuanced way, the point is absolutely inclusivity is the future, but we can't create this inclusive environment if we don't first question this gendered and, and patriarchal norms that are the reason why we started to, doing, to do this empowerment work anyway. We have to question for them first, and we have to do work with our men to question those masculine norms in our men so that we can actually create a world where I can employ as many men as I employ women and we are all one beautiful, happy family. Thank you, Dr. Elador. Um, another question is, what are the common areas where women are beneficiaries of patriarchy? <laughs> Oh my God. What are the main, what are the areas where women are, are beneficiaries of patriarchy? Okay. I always use this example. I think it's a great and fascinating question. I always use this as an example. In the Nigerian context, right? For example, you have a lot of women who will tell you that they're looking for a husband because they want somebody who can provide for them. And if you look at these women, these are women who are working. These are women who can buy their own wigs. These are women who can buy their own cars and their own, like, you know, get their nails done. But they look at it as the responsibility of the man to do that. And this is the thing. This is a critique that I have for us as women. You can't have it all. You really have to choose. You can't say you want to dismantle patriarchy and you want to create an inclusive world where you are respected fully as a woman, but you're like, oh no, you can't afford my wigs and you can't buy me a car, then I can't deal with you. Like you can't have it all. That is a perfect example of how patriarchy itself is actually encouraged by us as women. Another example of, of, of patriarchy is, for example, a girlfriend comes to you and tells to you, oh, you know, my husband is cheating and I really wanna leave this marriage. And you're like, oh, honey, it's not just you, baby. Like, this is just, you just have to find a way to deal with it. This is just the world in which we're dealing with. That is you, again, choosing not to dismantle something that is problematic but rather choosing to advance a patriarchal notion, a norm that men are privileged, that men can do whatever they want, that men are the ones who rule the world. Because again, what is patriarchy? Patriarchy is a privileging of men and the experiences of men as a very basic like elementary school definition. The privileging of men and the privileging of the experiences as men. That's what patriarchy is. So anytime that you privilege men, Anytime that you think, oh, this man seems like he knows what he's talking about. Two people who've been asked the same question, but you listen more to the man. And when the woman is talking, you're kind of a little bit dismisses, you're being patriarchal. So as women, there's so many moments where we are patriarchal, absolutely. And where we don't raise questions about our own need, about our own ways of wanting to advance the system. Again, like I said, it's a matter of you understanding what it is that you're doing and choosing 
Are you going to be for it? I'm just a critical scholar. So I'm just, I'm just giving you tools. I'm not saying everybody should want to be out there dismantling patriarchy. There's some people who are flourishing in that patriarchal norms and they're okay with it. But you got to know where you stand and you can't have both worlds. Oh, I love your, your very direct, blunt answers, um, Dr. Eleanor. The last one from Guy, um, gender prejudice is still a, a big issue down South, I'm guessing South Africa, even in the professions. Um, do we need more female role models? Are there, what other ways are there of pivoting? Oh my God, absolutely. We absolutely need more female role models. And, you know, one of the conversations that I always have, you know, when we talk about equity, especially and equity, meaning like representation in parliamentary spaces, representation in CEO spaces on board of directors, representation of women. Like one of the speakers said yesterday, I also questioned the notion of representation, but at the same time really believe so much that representation matters because representation becomes about having people who look like you and who have the same gender as you being actively engaged in certain spaces that make you believe that it's possible for you to be in those spaces as well. So I don't necessarily think that just because you have role models in positions of power, just because you have representation of women in political spaces, I don't believe that just because that's happening, then all of a sudden there is a transformation of gender norms. That's not the case. I mean, I always use Barack Obama's president of the United States as an example. He was a black man in office. Every black person thought, my God, my life is going to change because Barack is in office. Didn't happen. But for symbolic reasons and for representation re reasons, it was extremely important to have a black man in power. The same way it's important for Kamala Harris, who's actually being sworn in today, um, to be in that position of power, precisely because it's symbolic. It changes how we see ourselves and our positions in the world. Now, beyond us being role models, beyond just us you know, being in this positions where we are representatives, we have to make sure that we're actually doing the, the work necessary to dismantle the system. Because you can easily be a role model, you can easily be a representative, but you're actually perpetuating these stereotypes, you're actually perpetuating these patriarchal notions, you're actually perpetuating the exclusivity of women in those spaces. So it's absolutely necessary that we need to have more role models in academics, we need to have role models in business spaces as entrepreneurs, as CEOs, as board of directors, as politicians, as presidents. But the question is, what are those women doing? So I would encourage everybody here, as you are in those spaces, as you are on those boards of directors, as you are in these positions of leadership, make sure you're just not there because you're a woman but make sure you're actually doing the critical work necessary to dismantle and to transform and to create spaces where other women can be engaged in, that you're actually breaking down stereotypes and you're creating more space for access for other people. Thank you so much, Dr. Eleanor. And I think the final comment we have is from Joyce. Well put, Dr. Konje, we need to dismantle patriarchy in Africa, especially because the generation coming in behind us need to see a different lifestyle. Gender, peer-to-peer -peer mindset should also be a non-negotiable variable as ladies. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, on that note, I'd just like to ask how can our participants get hold of you and follow up on this discussion or any other discussion they may want to have with you? Okay, I'm so accessible, you guys, like totally. So Instagram is good. LinkedIn is good. I don't really check my Facebook inboxes often, but I would say LinkedIn is awesome. And you can just search for my name, Dr. Eleanor Conjan, find me there. And also on Instagram, 
I think my handle is at drelly.k. You can find me on there. Send me a message. And then once we start a conversation, I'm more than happy to share my, my WhatsApp number with you. But again, I'm really all about sisterhood. I'm really all about conscious ra- consciousness, consciousness raising for, as a collective module. So I'm always happy to connect to my fellow sisters who are passionate about doing the same work. So again, thank you, Nikki, and thank you, Siti. It was incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for everyone else with us now, we invite you to join us at 3 p.m. when we continue with the last of the first of the last two uh, sessions for this conference. And thank you once again for joining us.